can tell every artist has kind of like a mystery inside of them that they're trying to express. Yeah. And now it's different. Welcome back to the LH Shopping Network. It's a very common thing among musicians to have had some sort of paranormal encounter. Secrets, cover-ups, and strange phenomena. UFOs and ideas that challenge reality itself. All these mysteries, all this time. Are we ever going to get to the bottom of these? My name is George Knapp. I dig into news stories that others can't or won't. I'm Jeremy Corbell, and for some reason, people tell me things they probably shouldn't. And this is Weaponized. Weaponized. This is weaponized. You know, one of the reasons Jeremy and I launched this uh, podcast a long time ago was a chance to interact with creative people, artists, uh, people we admire and want to learn from, um, movie makers, uh, singers, songwriters, artists of all kind. And this date on our production schedule has been circled in red for a long time because we're really looking forward to meeting our guest today, Ben Schneider of Lord Huron Man. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Um, yeah, and, and just friends, man, being able to sit down with people that have influenced well, you with George, you know, with your music. I and mean, that's kind of why we're doing this is having these abilities to just talk with people we want to learn more about, you know? I know I've been playing your music on, on Coast to Coast since 2012, I think. I know, I feel like I owe you a cut. <laughs> I've appointed myself as your publicist, but I, I can remember driving through the desert late at night on an I-team road trip, uh, stars Full sky full of stars, and hearing this song come on, and it was like nothing I had heard, heard before. And it was ends of the earth, and it was just perfect to be out at night looking at the stars and that. It just didn't sound like anything else that was on radio. There was a little country twang to it, and I was trying to figure out how do you categorize this? It's not exactly a rock song. Um, I know people have tried to put a label on you for a long time, but they don't know where to fit you in, do they? Yeah, I guess that's been to our advantage in a lot of ways. I mean, we just kind of, I don't know, tend to follow whatever we're interested in at any given time, and uh, it's taken us to some different places, and I guess nobody can quite pigeonhole that. Which well, I've been playing your songs uh, on coast as bumper songs because they fit, you know, the kind of topics that you cover, the vibe. It works for a lot of the subject matter that we cover. Weird stuff, supernatural, paranormal, space, cosmology. And, and those are themes that you include in your music. So it, it's always fit and um, with the show. And then 
the last couple of years, I've been playing every episode, every episode that I host of Final Lord Huron so song. Cool, man. And Thank people you. keep track of it. Okay, now it's an official George show because they got that Lord Huron song on there. <laughs> That's really cool. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to know. I mean, so, so I'm a little bit uh, musically challenged. I don't follow as much. But when George gets excited about a musical, you know, anything, a song or whatever, I remember when you told me that, like you heard it driving through the desert. Um, what was it that about, because you listen, you've taught me about the Beatles, you've taught me about all these artists, but what was it that hit you about Ben's music? It sounds big. It sounds lush. The production is so many different levels. And again, the fact that you can't categorize it, it doesn't sound like anything else on, on radio or anywhere, you know? Well, maybe it, it gets at some of the stuff you're interested in, which, you know, crosses over with a lot of stuff I'm interested in, which is just mystery in general, I think. And, um, yeah, I, I've always been fascinated kind of staring at mysteries and thinking about them and living in them. And uh, just like you guys, I guess. <laughs> We're going to dive into some of that. I remember in, I think it's 2021, I get an email from a publicist who says, hey, I work with this group called Lord Huron, and um, we got this really interesting project coming out. Would you think you'd be interested in, in interviewing them? I'm going, who's pulling my leg here? What, what kind of joke is this? I play these guys all the time is this a prank of some sort? And then um, I said, yeah, I'd be interested. And then they unveiled this amazing project where what really interests me about what you've done with all your albums is you create these alternate realities, these parallel worlds as a framework for the albums, that particular project. And this one, that one for Long Lost, oh my gosh, you created a whole world and a series of artists. And Yeah, we tend to do a lot of background work on, on all our albums with storytelling. And you know, it's there for people to discover if they want to, but it's not necessary to to dive into it. If you're if you're just there for the music, that's cool too. You know, we take all comers, but I think taking the time to do all that background work and fleshing out the stories of the people, the characters that exist in the songs, and where they're from and what their names are, even uh, even if it's not explicit in the in the outward facing product, I think you can you can sense that there's something something more to it, something behind it. We're interested in the creative process for, for making these alternate worlds for each of those albums. Um, like the one, is it Strange Trails, where you create this Western writer? Oh, uh, yeah, that was for Lonesome Dreams. Lonesome actually. Dreams. Yep. So they create this Western writer who's sort of somewhere between James Fenimore Cooper and Zane Gray or something. <laughs> yeah, so it's the, Frontiersmen, it's Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Um, you make him up and then you make up all kinds of scenarios, but it's like you're making a film. It's like you have a film in your mind. Yeah, sometimes it does start from a visual place, actually. And that that album in particular was written a lot on the road when we were doing our first tours through the through the Southwest. So, you know, we were going through those beautiful landscapes and I was reading a lot of Western novels and stuff. And uh, yeah, it just I don't know. I started thinking about the types of stories that are that are told in those novels. And it's kind of, you know, like human experience laid bare. And um, I thought that was a cool place to start from as uh for writing songs. You've heard that stuff. I have, yeah. I mean, the you obviously you have something that, that you want to say, but I, I found it really interesting is your, your journey towards where you are now. It's almost like it could have come out in a hundred ways. You started off uh, studying painting and as an artist, right? So as an artist, there's different ways things can come out of you. Whatever it is yep. you're trying to say or explore, you know, this is something that, that has been a good vehicle for you, but you didn't start there from what I heard from you. So I'd love to hear about that. Like as an artist, what was it like? So you were, you were doing painting was one of the things you studied. Yeah. 
I think, I mean, my creative life began when I was very young. And I think from what I can tell, every artist has kind of like a mystery inside of them that they're trying to express. They're trying, you know, a feeling, a vibe that's very particular to them that they're trying their hardest to express to the world. And for me, it was a matter of trying to find what vehicle to do that through. So, you know, I, I played music from a young age, but I also did visual art. And yeah, I was just trying to find the best way to express this thing that's that's kind of inexpressible. You know, it's not, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just sort of a, a mystery that that lives inside of me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I tried it through visual art for a long time, went to art school, studied painting, graphic design. Um, that's what brought me to LA. You know, I came here to do art, did a couple shows, showed in some group shows, did like a, a multimedia installation at a, at a theater here. That was about, that's <laughs> kind of deep, but uh, it was about a fictional research institution that was researching um, a ancient civilization that existed in Antarctica. Uh, so, and I presented it as though it was a real thing. So yes. I hired actors to come and play the, oh the researchers and I hired other actors to come play the um, opposing viewpoint. And um, yeah, it was really fun and interesting, but I didn't sell any work right, because right. it wasn't for sale. So oh. it was just kind of like uh, an exercise in futility in some ways. But I learned a lot from that. So, so your art has always been kind of um, very, it sounds like it's always been kind of like in depth. If you're just making a painting, putting it on a wall, you're creating these worlds that people need to kind of look at and try to enter into that come out of you. I mean, the, even with the artwork, you were creating a whole world. Not yeah, I liked, I liked, I liked hinting at some bigger thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that, and that's because you're curious, you're exploring that, like there's something in there that you can't fully express. Exactly, yeah. And I feel like the more ways, the more outlets that has to come out, the better chance I have of, of success, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I started getting more into music um, again and recorded some stuff up in Michigan. I'd taken a trip. Travel's always been really key to sort of my creative process too. And I'd taken a trip to Southeast Asia and then came back to Michigan. And I feel like my those first EPs I recorded after that are very much Bali and Michigan. <laughs> uh, combined, oh, to, combined into music. You've been to Bali a bunch? Uh, just that once. Yeah. Uh, where, where did you go? Like Ubud? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Seminyak. Uh, and then to Lombok, uh, but then Singapore on the way home. And, it, you know, it's just, I was there for somebody's wedding, you know. What did you gain from that? I've been to Bali too, it's incredible. What, what was that, what was the thing that inspired you in Bali? Um, honestly, that was kind of more straightforward where it was really just the music. Okay, I, yeah. I went and saw some music and I thought it was in theater and I thought it was something I hadn't seen before and a sound that I thought was kind of remarkably absent from music I knew. Um, and so I, I had a little Zoom recorder with me and I took some samples of the stuff I was hearing and then went home and tried to recreate that as best I could. Did you see some of the puppet shows? Yeah. Like that, that's part of the culture. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really crazy. Yeah. And like the stories that they're telling, I mean, I, I got the gist, these kind of mythological, good versus evil, very violent yes. stories uh, were really fascinating. Let's too. back up and get some Ben origin stories. So you're growing up in Michigan. Yeah. Your dad's a journalist. Yep, my mom as well. Mom's a journalist. Yep. So they have probably had ideas about what they wanted you to end up doing. And then you and you're you're in music in high school. You had some bands. Yeah. Doing some art. And then you moved to LA. You don't know anyone out here. You just take a wild fling. 
Well, not quite that linear. Uh, so I kind of got the travel bug when I was in high school. I was in orchestra and we got to go to Europe, uh, which was my first time out of the country or, you know, uh, on a plane or anything. Uh, and I was just like, wow, this is there's this whole crazy world out here that I'm pretty interested in checking out. So next chance I had to do that again was, you know, in college, I was able to study abroad for my last semester, which study is a loose term because it really just became a place where I could explore and uh, didn't go to class much, but got to see a lot of things. Um, then I came back and tried New York for a little while because that seemed like the place to go for to be an artist. So I was only there for about six months, though, and then decided to check out L.A. kind of on a whim, thinking I'd only be here a little while and just never left. I was so intrigued by the by the art world here, but also by the music scene here, which I thought felt more a little more open and all over the place stylistically, which I really appreciated. So just kind of never left. It shows in your albums, you know, so many different kinds of song sounds and instrumentation. And uh, those first three EPs, you produced them by yourself, right? Uh -huh. you, yeah. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of ambitious. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was amazing for me to discover just how far, you know, I, I grew up recording on a four track tape recorder. That's how I learned how to record music. And then once I started writing music again, seriously, discovering all the technology that was at hand really opened up my world. I mean, that was a good example for me of how having the right tools can just uh, totally change your life. As a, as was there a point there that you decide, okay, if I'm going to step it up, I need some help and you got the other guys to come out? Yeah. So my sister and I took our, I recorded those EPs and just burned some CDs at home. And we took those up to a music festival in Northern California, me and my sister, and just kind of handed them out and just for fun, basically, because we wanted to see some of the bands that were playing at this festival. And um, that was back in the days of blog journalism was really big, especially in music. And someone happened to write about this EP, someone handed them at this festival. Oh. And next thing I know, we get asked to do a show. But, you know, like you said, I was doing this all myself, so I couldn't really <laughs> pull it off uh, to the level I'd like to by myself. So, you know, I didn't know a lot of musicians here, but thankfully I know, I know great musicians from growing up. You know, some of the best musicians I ever have known were these guys I went to high school with. So I called Mark Barry, who's the drummer in the band, and I just said, hey, look, I know you're, you're busy in Nashville. He was living in Nashville at the time, session musician. But um, would you consider coming out to L.A. to help me get a band together and do a show? You know, I sent him the EPs and he said, this is cool. I like this music. Um, it's weird, but it's cool. I'd, I'll come out and, and help you out. So I was so thankful that he said yes, um, because not only is he just an incredible musician, but, you know, he's one of my best friends. So having him come out was like a real boon. Uh, and we just kind of set to putting this band together and did a show, did another show, and we just kind of been on tour. And the other guys came out after? Yeah, so Mark knew Miguel from, who's the bass player, from, they played jazz together in high school. And I knew Miguel a little bit, but we'd never really played music together. So he recruited him. We found another couple guys from Michigan who um, we knew. And then they're not in the band anymore, but uh, our buddy Tom, a couple of years later, who, who we had a band with in high school, came out and kind of rounded it out. So 
So guys that I literally had uh, my first band with are, are the guys in the band now. I mean, it's clear that whatever's coming out of you, you know, people are resonating with, you know, to go from just handing out a CD because mm-hmm. you want to go see a band. I mean, is this an unex- as an artist, is this an unexpected path kind of for you? It wasn't planned out, right? I mean, or was it? I mean, no. it's like you, so that's kind of a, that's a rocket ship, man. You're just kind of expressing something and it really hits people, you yeah. know? And then bam, you go from not playing a show to playing these huge yeah. concerts. Yeah, I mean, it still surprises me every day, really, yeah. to think about how that trajectory went. But what I'm glad happened is that I was able to see, I mean, I guess it was because of the situation I was in at the time. You know, I was working as an art director, doing ads and stuff, trying to trying to find a creative outlet that I could make a living at, basically, yeah. but kind of getting ground to dust by it to be perfectly honest. Uh, Once I saw that, yeah, yeah, I was just, you know, making TV commercials and um, print ads and, you know, I met some great people and it was nice to be able to be creative, but I didn't have an endless supply of creative energy. So at the end of the day, when I was done with that work, I would feel completely zapped. And the thing I had to show for it was not a true expression of that, that thing I was talking about earlier, that, that inexpressible, you know, mystery that you have so such a drive to express it was something else entirely it was somebody's sales pitch you, know? you do have an endless supply of creative energy just not for somebody else's project <laughs> yeah maybe that's what it well is. that's yeah. what you said last night it was i was curious about it is like um you said maybe you said you don't know maybe we we do have a limited amount of that creative energy mm-hmm. to, to do these things you know do you, what do you think where do you fall on that i don't know i mean i guess i'm pretty I guess I don't think about it too much because what's the point? Like, I'll just keep making stuff as long as I can. And then if the well runs dry, I'll take up fishing or something, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) it'll be, it'll be all right. Uh, It will be all right. And, you know, yeah, just going to ride it as long as I can. But yeah, it's like you were saying, it's just surprising that it's worked out the way it has to me. And I'm just glad I was able to see that. Maybe maybe it was good that I was desperate enough to just be like, I need to get out of this, and like, here's an opportunity to get out of this. That's yeah, a bold move, man. Yeah, yeah it was move. it was a little scary, but you know, my family was really supportive. Having my close friends be the guys in the band was really great because it was just like we all knew each other and we knew how to support each other, and how to make it make it happen. Lonesome Dreams, first big album, full album. Uh, is that what you wanted to do? Did it come out of how you wanted? And and how does it change your life when it happens? Yeah, uh, it came out as we wanted. We've we've been lucky in that we haven't really had anybody in our creative business at all uh, throughout our career. So we've been able to just do what we want to do. You know, we had definitely a limited budget to make that. Uh, it was the first time we ever like went to a recording studio and all that. But we had a great engineer who was kind of patient with us. His name's Rick Parker. He's kind of a he's kind of a legend in in LA in, in certain circles, and he was uh, just a perfect guy to pair with for that. And we decided we'd produce it ourselves because we kind of knew what we were looking for. So he engineered it, and we produced it. And yeah, it was it was a cool feeling putting that out, you know, and going on tour to support it. Our first kind of big national tour. Well, it's just, just beautiful band. stuff. It's just Thank that, you. that's what grabs you. Ends of the earth. There's no, no other song like it on Thank radio you. then or now. You know, um, so you start getting known. You start appearing on television here and there. Mm-hmm. 
we were looking for interviews that you've done over the years, and you've had to do some to promote your music and your yeah. band, but not a lot. I mean, you're uncomfortable with it, aren't you? A little bit. You can cut it right now. <laughs> good. That's great. That's great. You guys are making me feel right at home. <laughs> okay, good. This good. desert water is doing the trick. Thank you. Yeah, we need more of that. Mm. But, I mean, you are a little worried about where it leads. I mean, you're a yeah. creative person. You want the world to see your music, but at the same time, you worry about what it means to you and your wife and your private For sure. life. And we just don't want it to be about us. Like, we're very focused on it being about the stuff we're making, um, which obviously there's... You can't have that entirely when you're an artist and you're out there performing every night. You know, I guess we should have thought ahead and like done the Daft Punk thing and you wore, wore masks or yeah, something. Yeah. Or, uh, but, but no, uh, I think we have really respectful fans too who kind of know that we have certain feelings about our privacy and everything, and they're really cool about giving us our space. And we love interacting with them. I'm not saying we like uh, turn our a shoulder to them or anything, but you know, we like our space. We like it to not be about us. It's not a cult of personality or uh, a, a tabloid sensation we're just not that kind of people you, know? you, you can feel that you know in in what you're what you're saying or what you're creating or the feeling that someone like me gets from the music is that it's big it's vast it's about something more cosmic and you said that to me yesterday when we were at your studio that it wasn't ever just about you guys and you get that even from your art where you obscure the faces and i know you said that's like memories how you start to lose them and you know your memory of that is not complete but you just get this sense that you're you're kind of sitting back, but your mu your music and the ideas are moving forward. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you can only hold that so long. <laughs> people are like you know you you've touched a nerve, man. Yeah, you and know? I'm happy to you know share in the right settings, and yeah. it's not like I'm a trying to be cagey or, or no. anything. It's just yeah, it's just I, I value my privacy, and I, I really do more than anything. I want it to be about what we're creating and not about us as people because. And sometimes people think that means that the, the music we make isn't personal when I say that, but that's not what it means. It just means that um, it's something inside that I'm trying to express. I mean, it's very personal, but it's not autobiographical, I guess, if that right. makes sense. And that comes from, you, you told us last night at dinner, that, that comes from like an earlier time in your life where, you know, maybe just as a local kid, there was stuff coming out about you. But <laughs> tell us, tell us that. Oh, that's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Oh gosh. My you dad. need more desert water. <laughs> that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah. Well, so my, like you mentioned, my dad was a journalist. Uh, he wrote a daily column for 35 years for the Lansing State Journal, and um, you know he could write about whatever he wanted. It was like a job that doesn't exist anymore, basically. Uh, so during the week, he would write about you know local businessmen cheating old ladies, and and kind of he was kind of a champion of the of the of the people and stuff. Um, that was the ad? Yeah, that was, there was an ad that said, John Schneider, he's a huge champion of the people, which um, we made fun of him for endlessly <laughs> when we were kids. But on Sundays, he, he would write about the family. And, and you know, it just, it was rough sometimes to go to school on Monday and have your teacher be like, I heard you, I heard you got busted for a party this weekend or whatever, you know? And your business was all laid bare to the whole community. And... And that's, it's not like I actually hold any hard feelings against him for it because, you know, I get, I get it. But it was kind of hard sometimes to have that all out there. Yeah. And I think that did make me, you know, make me decide that I was going <laughs> to devote a bit of energy to guarding my privacy as I got older. Yeah. Um, we, we got to see the, the legendary Whispering Pine studio. 
and uh, you know your, your fans. I watch them on there's some Reddit subreddit things where mm -hmm. they you drop them a lot of Easter eggs, uh -huh. and there's a playful relationship there. You'll you'll give them things that are in essentially clues to some other kind of mystery, or they interpret them that way, including the story of, of the studio. And I, I honestly had no idea really what was true and what wasn't mm. till we saw it yesterday. It is a place that does have a history. It's just not exactly the history that you've you've weaved for the for the last project. For yeah, the long lost. I mean, I think we were inspired by the space just because you can sense that things have happened there. You know, I mean, yeah. just uh, we we think it was built in the early '70s, and you know, it's been pretty much unchanged since then. So all the acoustic treatment and all the parquet floor and the glass that you can't clean. <laughs> um, okay. Is all just as it was so you can really feel the history and i think when we were starting to make those uh, live from whispering pines episodes during covid we kind of took a lot of inspiration from that like what kind of ghosts are hanging out in here and what can we tell their stories um maybe we don't know exactly who was here but let's let's imagine what happened here and, and what you know i just noticed that it was alive from whispering yeah. pines not live meaning not you're not exactly sure everyone who's at Whispering Pines <laughs> is really alive or right. dead. Right. Exactly. But, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a real inspiring place. I mean, it, it's you know, you had us come and we go down this little alley. We get into the back. Mm -hmm. We we see some cars. We're like, this is probably right. And he started telling us that it, it was a place that um, they used to do recordings back in the day. So it it's really hard to encapsulate that to show that. I think actually your videos kind of show the feeling. Yeah. Of it. It's yeah. really. I mean, it's it has a. When you record something in a space like that, it's got to inspire you a little bit. It's a really unique feel in that place. Chilling out with your buddy Ben. My buddy Ben. That's uh, so. This is your studio. So people from you know, who know the, the album would recognize that, but that's you. You did that work. I did paint that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the gatefold from Long Lost LP. Uh, priceless artwork. <laughs> Did you paint it for the album, or you already had that in mind you wanted to do, and then you made the album fit to that? Good question. I, they kind of developed together. I guess I just had this kind of vibe that I was trying to create, and at first it seemed like painting was probably the best way to get there, to visualize it, and then it turned into songs and uh, other stuff. So I think I actually did paint this before I wrote a lot of the records. I was telling Jeremy about you. You make up these country groups, and, yeah. and then you release songs under it, and you don't even say it's Lord Huron. So then there's a new song out, it's yours, and it's by Hefty Lefty or something. Sometimes it helps me conceptualize things to go deep like that. It might be a little overkill, but for the people who appreciate it, I think uh, it's worth the time. Was it Donnie and Midge? Is that? This is Donnie and Midge. Donnie and Midge, wow. Midge yeah. <laughs> That's George is a big fan. He ain't kidding. That's beautiful, man. See, painted that. Some of that stuff just made me, goddamn, just laughed out loud. Donnie and Ridge sounds like it would be an old country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Writing things like one of my pleasures. Tubbs Tarbell. Yeah. Hefty Lefty. Tubbs, that was hilarious. Handsome Scott. Well, that's what, yeah. Handsome Scott. Songs, what did I say? It's some songs I know and then more songs I know or something like that. Exactly. Some. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's been very inspiring. So we've made every record since Strange Trails there. So the last three records we, we've done entirely there. And, uh, you know, it's just our clubhouse. We shoot yeah. our music videos there. We, we throw parties there. We hang out there. Uh, it's just a, 
it's been like almost a another member of the band or something you know it's like a character in our in our world we noticed all the cars all you guys drive bentleys and rollses and um <laughs> you're living the rock star life then right yeah yep you're right we're absolutely <laughs> balling out of control yep that's us <laughs> yeah, that that mythology about whispering pines and tubbs tarbell and that was what the publicist introduced me to and these yeah. elaborate scenes and mythology that led up to the release of that that um that album and you know we saw it yesterday we we're talking about it uh about all these country artists that you made up so mm -hmm. obviously a lot of country influence uh, mm -hmm. that, that, that you've uh, incorporated into your work over the years. But you make up all these country artists and then you make up songs for them and then you actually release them. You release songs that are not even <laughs> under Lord Huron's banner and just pop it out there and let people figure out what it is. I don't understand that. He was talking about, so like you create these fictional characters <laughs> and like old country so and then you actually do just put it out under their name with no attachment to your work or? yeah okay <laughs> so, that? it's a great plan <laughs> so that, that one painting that ben did yeah. uh, up on the wall that we we saw i think he labeled them as donnie and midge this yeah, duke yeah. country duo and there was a, a brief clip of the song that donnie and midge were doing in the commercial that they had that lady later became my line. Yeah, it? that's right. Yeah, that's some elusive shit, man. What I are you know. Doing? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, the label wasn't the label wasn't quite on board with that either. You know, <laughs> it's hard to mon it's hard to monetize. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, like I was saying, I don't know. Maybe we maybe sometimes it goes a little far, but I I really love giving things some background, and I think it comes through somehow or i guess i it, hope it, it does, comes it through does man there, it's like whispers through the trees man yeah. i mean you got people just speaking about your music i mean that's george has been preaching lord huron ever since he heard it, it took me a while to kind of tap in mm -hmm. but there, there's a sense of like you want to enter that world because it's not being thrown mm -hmm. in your face so you, you know yeah well, i think the mystery of it has been part of the allure to to our fans sure. and they and you know it's been really cool to see them discover things that i thought were pretty much just this background work for ourselves that I didn't really think would ever find any find its way into any public consciousness really and to see them discover that and not only that but expand upon it um I've seen it spark creativity in the community which is really I mean just the most beautiful gift they can give back to us is to see that it's inspired them to make things you know people are making these beautiful paintings yeah. based on songs and um you know a close friend of ours made a movie based on one of our albums and um, a feature length film. And it's just so, it's beautiful. Well, there's there's a humor element to it that I don't know that everybody gets, but God damn, it was funny. I mean, <laughs> it, the, the, the names that they made up, that Ben had made up for some of these artists, Hefty Lefty, uh, Handsome Scott, Donnie and Midge, sounds like real <laughs> country artists. I would try to stump him when we would exchange emails about um, old country artists that I figure I'm the only person alive that still knows who they were. He knows all of them. Yeah, I've got five albums of the <laughs> Lefty Frizzell and Webb Pierce and I love that acts stuff. like that. Because that stuff has, it has mythology built into it too. And I think yeah. that those artists were very aware of what they were doing too. I mean, you know, people think of country music as three chords and the truth and all that. And that's really true to a degree, but they were also very conscious of their personas and of the mythology surrounding the songs and, and i think that's really cool there's a incredible artistry to what those old country musicians did well uh, it's incorporated little tiny little things that you keep in these records uh, a rinky tink piano that sounds like scott kramer or, some, or um what am i thinking of floyd kramer 
uh, the Bally stuff that's in your the three EPs and French. You obviously spent some time in in France. The French titles they get into it too, and yeah, um, it's a great mix. There's just nothing else like it. Thanks. What was the whole thing? So I was, last night I was like looking at a bunch of stuff and I saw the one where there's all these little commercials that kind of blip in and out and your, your music kind of goes through mm -hmm. it. It's just like a creative um, way to show and enter people in. But did you like set up those, those actors to talk about each of those things? And it yeah. was just so bizarre. <laughs> my friend Heidi here is wearing what we like to call a sky gazer's harness. Now that is a proprietary term. So if you run across one with that phrase, you know you're getting the real thing. Unbelievable. What does this allow you to do? You may be asking. You may already know. But it allows us to do exactly what it says. Gaze into the sky and accept what it is giving us for our health and for the health of those around us. It's comprised of the helmet, which is receiving the energy from the tube that goes right to the pigment. This glorious, wonderful product right that here. will open you up. It moisturizes. Do you hear that? It moisturizes. You're not going to find that anywhere else. You're not going to find mind pigment cream that's actually good for your skin. Anywhere but on the LA. <laughs> I'm stuck with this dimensional portal in my living room and I just don't know what to do with it. I see. Yes. Aura is being warped by this threshold. It's it's difficult to discern. <laughs> it was great. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you're like, what am I watching? Yeah, we had this idea of making, I don't know, we always are drawn to this idea of like infomercials to yeah. kind of uh, launch our albums. And uh, I don't know, it's just a cool format because you can, you can have the humor, which I think you know, sometimes our, our music can seem serious in a way that I think is uh, maybe over earnest, but there's always humor involved in everything we do. And we like to show people that, that that's, that's riding shotgun constantly in what, in what we're doing. Um, not to say that we're not serious about the things we're talking about, but yeah. I think we're the, our philosophy is kind of what can you do but laugh when you look at the, when you stare into the void, you know? <laughs> uh, that's well, the, the void thing. comes up a lot. Uh, mortality comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. Ghosts, literal and figurative ghosts in, in your music. And obviously you put a lot of thought into the big questions like what comes next? And yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I think everybody, as far as I know, everybody thinks a lot about that stuff, but maybe, um, maybe we've been pretty obsessed with exploring it and just thinking about all of its facets and not necessarily trying to answer any of those questions, but kind of, as I was saying before, just being comfortable sitting back in awe of those mysteries and of those uh, of those questions and just how intrinsic they are to our lives and our our inner lives and our outer lives. Um, yeah, to me, it's an endless source of material because it's kind of unanswerable. You slip a lot of stuff into songs and lyrics, uh, references that that suggest to me you read a wide range of, of stuff like uh, not only fiction, but cosmology. Religion. I mean, are are we exaggerating there? Uh, sure? I mean, I do like to read a lot, um, and I do have pretty pretty varied tastes. Yeah, I'm trying to think what a like mathematics books. You like, <laughs> like you have physics. A I'll read physics. like yeah. like you know layman physics. I can't do the deep yeah, stuff, sure. but I love those books about just like uh, you know trying to explain to the, to the layman 
the size of the universe yeah. and the, the origins of the universe. And Why do you love those? I think because it's like, to me, those are the ultimate spooky mysteries. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting that we know quite a bit about it, but we still don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And and um, I don't know. I mean, what's more interesting than than those huge, huge questions, you know? Yeah. Stuff about consciousness, too. I love reading about that just because it's kind of seems like an unanswerable question to me, which is really interesting. Uh, or my intuition is that it's unanswerable. I don't know. Maybe they'll figure it out. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, my wife is even more of a voracious reader than me, so she's often giving me stuff to read. Um, and the Cliff Notes. Yeah, and the Cliff Notes. She's I'm reading House of Mirth right now, which she recommended, Edith Wharton, and reading Steve Biko's essays. We, we just visited South Africa, so I was kind of digging into that stuff. Um, and I'm also reading a, a book on Ojibwe mythology. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, pretty varied right now, but um, it all it all feeds something. That that's who the Huron are today, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've been spending a lot more time in Michigan, and I've been kind of trying to, you know, learn as much as I can about the the people who who were there first and what uh, whose land that is and. Uh, I think mythology of a culture is an interesting place to start because it's kind of the foundation of, of culture, you know? So you had to... told us about this vacation you went on and, and I, we exchanged emails at different parts of it. And I realized, holy crap, this guy's been on the road with his wife for three, four months traveling <laughs> the world. Are you a workaholic while you're traveling? Are you taking notes, looking for story ideas and song ideas? Yeah. I mean, I've tried really hard as I've gotten older, especially to integrate my work into my just everyday life so that I can be kind of seamless. And, you know, for a long time I was working in a way that I think was unhealthy for my physical health and for my relationships. Cause I was just kind of disappearing and reemerging pale and awkward. <laughs> uh, but to travel, like I was saying before, has been such a source of uh, inspiration for me. So um, I, you know, it is a vacation, but I do consider it also like a real, place where I collect ideas so I always end up with a bunch of fragments for songs I've, I got this great little guitar that I can put in the overhead bin so it's like I've got my sort of travel setup really really dialed in now um, so you know we'd be floating on a boat on the Nile and I could play my guitar and think about a song and uh, you know we stopped through some cities too so like in Berlin I actually booked some studio time and did a little work um, but yeah, nothing's been more valuable inspiration-wise than, than travel for me. We're really interested in the creative process. Neither of us can write music or songs or anything, <laughs> but where it comes from. You know, read about the Beatles. Uh, you occasionally hear a story like from McCartney that he woke up, he had a dream and woke up with yesterday in his head. It was all, the, the whole melody was there. Other people who would, an entire song written, there it is when you wake up. Does that happen? Not quite that fully formed, but I definitely have um, woken up with melodies in my head. And and I think I was talking to you guys before about how, you know, my insomnia has led to these auditory hallucinations occasionally. And sometimes it will be musical. Usually it's voices, but sometimes it will be, um, yeah, just melodies. And I know I've probably woken up my wife a few times humming into my <laughs> voice recorder in the middle of the night, uh, trying to not forget something. And you know, honestly, sometimes when I when I get get around to actually looking at it later, 
I'll be like, actually, it wasn't that cool. What the hell was yeah. I thinking? But every, every now and then, there's a good one. I've never had a number one smash hit appear in my head when I wake up to like <laughs> yeah. pop card. Uh, do, do, you know do you know that when you write something, do you know that it's going to resonate? It's gonna, people are going to feel that. Do you know before it goes out, that one is going to touch people? No. no. I mean, I, I hope. And like sometimes I'll write something and think, this seems really true or really resonant to me. And sometimes it will end up, I think, being that way for other people. But you just never know. Some songs I've written that I thought would be more, have more of a connection, haven't landed the way I thought. Yeah. Which I think is, that's all part of that thing I was talking about, where everybody has a different mystery they connect with. And sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. You had told me once before that there's always an element of truth or something of you in the songs and the lyrics that you write. And I'm thinking, what a dirty bastard this guy is. I'm looking at some of his songs. Of, uh <laughs> I didn't mean the things I said. I didn't honestly wish you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can uh, expand into fiction a little bit, but I think exploring some of my you know your darker impulses that you do have, thinking about where they could lead has been really a uh, fertile ground for me. You know, and just you know the, the the good things that I've that I have in life. Sometimes I'll take those and just think about it. Helps me see how bad it could be if that makes any sense, like appreciating the good things that I have. Um, so yeah, it's not always literally about me, but usually it's either something that's happened to someone close to me or sort of a fictional spinoff of something that I've gone through or someone close to me has gone through. But like we've talked about before, sometimes you can, you can convey so much more truth in fiction because you don't, you can cut out all the, all the real surroundings that are getting in the way sometimes of getting to the uh the the heart of a matter yeah. is there like a one of the songs that you might play uh you know when you do these shows that like is really special to you like it always feels hmm. you know powerful to you when you play it it's a good question it's different on different nights i think just depending on what you know frankly how good the performance is sometimes mm -hmm. i'll be really inspired by the way somebody's playing or the way we're playing together or the way someone's voice sounds or whatever um, or just seeing how the audience is reacting too can really color a song um i remember playing at uh red rocks i think two years ago or i guess it was i don't know a few years ago and we played one called the ghost on the shore and it got so quiet when there's ten thousand people that are that quiet and just really paying attention to the song and seemed to really sort of understand what it's about or it seemed that way to me. Um, that's pretty, that was pretty special. What's the biggest crowds you played to and do you get nervous? Uh, do you get stage fright a little bit or uh, butterflies when you're going on to something big? I've never had too big of a problem with stage fright, honestly, except for the times when some, some circumstances are making it extra stressful. But, um, you know, we've played to huge festival audiences and that's stressful in a way, but almost less stressful than a smaller theater audience where, you know, they're there just to, to see you and they have certain expectations about the show you should you should deliver. And uh, yeah, it can, it can be a little nerve wracking. I mean, especially when and when we play in Detroit and I know there's 100 of my family, extended family members out there, all, uh, all wondering if I'm really 
the real thing or not. <laughs> yeah, you were telling us that. So for you were telling us last night, night, it's an interesting thing where your family, you know, they, they kind of know you as you were a kid, obviously. So they've seen you through everything. What is their barometer for understanding, you know, kind of what you're doing now in the world? You were saying for some people, if they see me on a late night show, they're like, oh, you really did it. Yeah. You made it. You know, other people see a, a concert of yours. But then one of your family members, it was here in a, a hearing that George played one of your songs. Yeah. So my, yeah, my aunt so Patty funny. who lives in Vegas. And so she knows you as a, as a personality, uh, list, loves you and listens to your show. And she heard you play Lord Huron, uh, one of your bumpers. And I think that's when she was like, Oh, oh you finally made it. Benjamin's <laughs> actually not a loser. Uh, <laughs> uh, but cause you know, yeah, they all know us, knew me from, they knew I had bands, you know, I played it like, when my brother graduated high school, my band played in the garage, you know, yeah. and they were like, okay, <laughs> uh, why, we don't need punk music at this, uh, at this was it a, it was a punk band? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, well, we kind of went through some phases, but that was that, um, you know, in the mid nineties, it was kind of ska and punk was kind of the, the indie music of the moment. So we were all, all pretty drawn to punk and, you know, it's fun to play. And when you're yeah. learning an instrument, it's really fun to play. You don't think it's too much of a transition to country that there are some similarities to that? I do, yeah. I mean, I think again, there's that sort of idea of creating mythology around what you're doing that I think they both embrace. And hard times are both common themes in those types of music. Um, simplicity, um, a deceptive simplicity, I think. Uh, people often confuse having fewer chords with simplicity which i don't necessarily think is true uh because there's a, an emotional depth behind a lot of that music that's really complex um the night we met i i've seen on youtube videos where you address the audience say somebody a lot of you are here because of this song is that that was a really big song for your band yeah it ended up being i mean we put that album out and that was on strange trails we put that album out in 2015 and actually, my wife and I were on our, our first big trip we took abroad where we were just living sort of in the countryside in France for a few months between albums, um, took some time to write and just had a friend who had a place they weren't using. So we were able to live there really cheap. And um, my manager called and said, hey, they want to use this song in this TV show. And honestly, I was like, I don't want to deal with this right now. Let's not do it. And my wife said, well, might as well. Like we're, we're pretty cool about putting our songs in, in, in narrative, uh, projects. Like I don't want to be on a dishwasher, uh, soap commercial, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, I'm cool if I can add a little something to somebody else's, uh, story they want to tell. So we've been pretty, pretty liberal about letting people use music and, and if it's in something, you know, creative. So we said, we ended up saying yes. And, um, they used it on this show called 13 Reasons Why. Um, and, you know, I forgot about it, honestly, and just went about my trip. And then, you know, it ended up being this big hit show and the, the song plays a role in the story. So it kind of made it even more uh, of, a, of a connection with people. And yeah, it just really took off. So we've been super thankful that it's a song we like, you know, the, the uh, one of our favorite songs to play and stuff so yeah i mean it's very gratifying to see people connecting with it on such deep did you tell us it had a billion downloads or something like that it yeah i mean uh 
Spotify recently sent us a plaque because it was streamed a billion times just oh. on Spotify. Oh. I know. It's it's hard to believe. But uh, a lot of lot of ears on that. It's a lot of ears. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. So it's definitely ex- expanded our audience and um and you know, hopefully it's just a gateway where people can get get into the other stuff. And so far it seems like it has been. People will start there, get a taste for what we're doing, and then kind of find out there's a lot more to to the style. Jeremy's asked me, well, so what are your favorite songs? I, I can't even list the favorite songs per album because it changes from week to week <laughs> or something, you know? It depends on your mood. Um, I'm thinking the, um, the last song, next to the last song on Long Lost is pretty spectacular. Deep thought, it's what do it mean? Uh-huh. Seems you're, you're digging pretty deep there. What if it doesn't mean anything? What if there is nothing else? What if there is no... We have no personal destiny. There's no plan. This is it. That does encapsulate that philosophy I was talking about before, where it's not about answering. I mean, the title of the song is literally a question um, with bad grammar. Um, Because it's not about getting to the bottom of that mystery. It's just about kind of accepting and floating in it. Um, Which has been, yeah, something I've been grappling with for a long time, but... Ancient names. I mean, you had told us you read a lot of mythology. You select that stuff. It's clearly you got you've got some influence there, and going way back, that was a cool theme there, and it rocks too. <laughs> yeah, it rocks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was uh, inspired by literally by walking around in Chinatown and seeing the um, all the psychic parlors there, and thinking about where that could go. On a do you have any of those night. experiences like a? premonition a precognition uh synchronicity stuff does that play in at all to your human experience like not so much personally it's one of those things where i'm really interested in that and like i kind of envy people who have had those types of experiences mm-hmm. and i know a lot of musicians who it's a very common thing among musicians to have had some sort of paranormal encounter that or that they believe is a paranormal encounter yeah, yeah. like ghosts are very common among my musician friends you know that they've all had some something and i can't say that i honestly ever have and i can't say that that any of that aligns with what i think to be true honestly scientifically but it fascinates me to a degree that i, I would love to have experience like that and to be able to question what i believe to be true same about UFOs, life out there. You're not, you don't have a foot in one camp or the other. Well, not particularly. Although, just thinking about it in terms of probability and what we know about the universe, I mean, it seems like it's very pretty unlikely that we're the only beating hearts. Uh, but I don't know. I got to see something. I would love to. Yeah. I lied. So in my listing, mental listing of your songs, that that's in a category by itself. That is just that's beautiful. I remember that's hearing it. the debut on on uh, television. It was a mm. was a Kimmel or a Tonight Show or yeah, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was 
Either Camelot or Tonight Show, I don't Good know. grief. From their new album, Long Lost, here's Lord Huron featuring Alison Pontier. How'd you pick Allison for that? Um, we were looking for someone, uh, a female singer, to sing that other part, and 
had a lot of ideas floating around, but um, my friend Jen, who who does our publishing, uh, suggested Allison. She just said, you know, this is a hear me out because she she hasn't put anything out yet, but I want you to hear her sing, and uh, I think she's really talented, and I think she's got the right voice for this song. And yeah, met with her and had her give it a try, and I thought her voice was perfect for it. You know. Oh, Don, she is a Donnie and Midge were born yeah. right there. Yeah. Donnie and Midge. Yeah, she, she's got an extraordinary presence. That's one of the first things that he, you know, kind of showed me. And that that feeling of having this uh, this, this duet mm -hmm. and having this, you know, female voice and kind of presence come in, it was it was just such a cool, um, and we are talking about that a little bit yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, what is that when you're inserting kind of this, uh, this different voice into that? How does that feel? Like yeah, I was writing, starting to write that song and I, just lately in general, I've really been interested in writing for for a female voice because I think for one thing, it can do different things musically, but also just a different perspective than my own. And um, I really wanted to write a song where you could hear both sides of a relationship in maybe a surprising way. And I think the only way to really do that was to have the other person come in and tell their side of the story, you know? So, um, yeah. I've, I wanted it to set, to kind of evoke those old country duets without being stylistically the exact same. Um, so yeah, she, her voice has like a little twang. You know, she's from Texas. Yeah, and um, and she's a beautiful singer. And yeah, it just it worked out. Well, that song's a heartbreaker. That's excellent. a tear in your beer, old school. <laughs> tear in the beer. Uh, and I mean, do you get airplay on country stations on Sirius XM? It seems like good. A lot of it would be a good fit there. Yeah. Not, not that I know of. I know we have fans in the country world. You know, I've had people reach out to me and say, you know, Kenny Chesney covered Ends of the Earth, um, oh. which wow. is a kind of a surprising thing. But um, yeah, I know we have fans and I've, I've started writing, trying to write with other people and I've written with some country folks. And um, is there somebody you really want to uh, work with that you haven't? Just somebody you'd love to? I'm not, not particularly. I'm honestly trying to figure out if, I, if I'm any good at it. Right. <laughs> no, for real. Like some people have a skill where they can tap into that other people's uh, intentions, and mm. I'm I'm still learning if I can do that the right way. Because I think it's crucial to have a certain type of empathy as a as a co-songwriter. You know, where mm -hmm. you can really like understand what someone's trying to say and help them say it. But even having somebody sing one of your songs, like you, you really seem to embrace um, technology. Another thing where he got me, he's like, check out what Ben just dropped. And it's this thing where you can watch a video and you scroll and it shows you two different perspectives. Mm -hmm. There's a female singing mm -hmm. in French, right? So mm -hmm. you're having somebody else kind of portray your music, right? Yep. So I'd like to know more a little bit how that happened, that idea of like we, we had a much or a little deeper conversation about yesterday that you embrace these new technologies. Definitely. And this is not even on an album. It just comes out of nowhere. Oh, really? <laughs> one day, a... what the hell is this? It just appears. Yeah, the song Tell is called Your Other Life. We'd recorded it for Long Lost, our last album, but it just kind of didn't find a place in the flow of the record. Not because, I mean, it's honestly one of the one of my favorite songs we recorded, but just didn't seem to fit in the uh, album. And, you know, it's always good to save a couple B-sides in the back pocket for follow-up. Um, so yeah, we had this song and we we're kind of like, what's a special way we can put this out? And again, that was the kind of song where I thought two perspectives would be really interesting to hear because it's sort of a song about betrayal. Um, 
but you know it's never as simple as that i don't think in a in a relationship so we wanted to tell it from the female perspective as well and why not do it in french <laughs> but you could so technically though you you know he shows me this video and you could pull this cursor and it would completely change the perspective right yeah so we shot two videos basically with this director adam willis good friend of ours and it's basically the same story unfolding from their two perspectives and it's it's very subtly different but you get the set you get a sense that they these two people viewed this situation in a very different way um so yeah you can we had this guy lee martin build this really cool player which I, I guess it hadn't really been done before surprisingly but he found a way to make it and um, you can just take a little scroll and if you want them to be overlaid where you can see them both a little bit you can do that or you can go all the way to one side or all the way to the other and the audio crossfades as well so um, yeah it was really nicely executed by those guys for people who haven't seen it it's shot in this bar this dark bar that looks like 50 bars I've spent way too much time in in my life <laughs> And it's a little bit dangerous in there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got a feeling like uh, anything could happen. Yeah. Which are my favorite types of places to go yes. into where you don't really know. I mean, that's what the valley's good for. As far as don't feel tell. completely comfortable. It's right. a good thing. Exactly. The night yeah. could go anywhere and you could end up anywhere. Um, the business side of it. You know, you're not uh, Taylor Swift selling out a giant stadium. You want a big audience. You have a growing audience. You have legions of loyal fans. Um, how do you how do you make it go? I mean, uh, you guys have a certain amount of independence, but COVID hit, and then streaming. I just think of streaming is a great thing. It exposes people to a lot of different kind of music, but for artists, I mean, just can, it seems to screw over creative people in that you get so little yeah. out of your own music. It's definitely evolving, and it's hard to. It's hard to figure out exactly where everything's headed, but we've got an advantage in that we're very hands-on with what we do. So, you know, we've we've always been in control of how we how we run the business, and you know, we're not in any deep debt to a label or anything. And and that's I'm really thankful for that. Um, but you know, it's just been grinding on the road. You know, from from the early days, we've just been hitting the road and trying to get as many fans as we can and spending as much time out there as we can connecting with people. And then, you know, radio is kind of a mystery these days. So uh, placements in TV and, and movies has been like our radio. And that's how we've reached a lot of people, I think. Uh, and that's what I was saying. We've been kind of pretty liberal about allowing that, you know, I think it used to be kind of taboo or looked down upon for artists to, license their music but these days it's just kind of like it's what you have to do yeah it fits a story it's yeah. a good fit yeah that's what i think if it can help someone else fulfill their creative vision i'm more than happy to uh to uh get some money out of it <laughs> we got to hear the debut of a song yesterday we're not going to say much about it we wanted to record that so much oh we listened we did oh my god this is so good <laughs> but it's the a movie project coming up yeah can you talk about it or is it uh yeah it's i mean it's coming out probably be out by the time this uh this podcast is out it's uh, it's called the starling girl uh it comes out i think in wide release on the 19th of may um it's a really beautiful movie by a director named laurel parmet uh, who approached me a couple of years ago about doing the score and then COVID happened and i thought it, the project was going away but it came back and i feel really glad that i got to work on it um, there's, a, there's an original song and then also a score. You do the score for the whole movie? Yeah. 
Um, That's a whole new challenge. Most of it, it. anyway. There's yeah. there's a couple other pieces of music in it, but it's mostly stuff I did. Yeah, it was it was a whole new challenge. <laughs> Definitely challenging, uh, but cool. I really liked again trying to get inside her head with what she's trying to say and and just do whatever I could to help communicate that. Uh, it was really really interesting. I got him real good yesterday because. Um, so a couple of things I get to tease George about is like, you know, he is the music guy. He's teaching me everything. And in my town, Pioneer Town, California, this place called Pappy and Harriet's, which I now know you're familiar with. Yep. So he missed it when when Paul McCartney came through there, kind of like a, a, on, a, on a secret uh, performance. He didn't believe me. I said, he's going to come through. Trust me, he's going to come through. So he has always hated that I was there <laughs> who could, you know, I can't appreciate it like him. And I watched it and it, I got to just say, it was so great. Yeah, it this was, is a scab Jeremy pulls off every about once time. a year. There I am. It's like close encounters. You know, we're sitting on tailgating, and there's Paul McCartney <laughs> ten feet away. You would have loved it, George. But then I saw him got he got desperately upset at two because we found out you actually opened one of your tours by going to Pappy and Harriet's and playing there. We did. Yeah. Did you like that? Sit we loved town it. And, oh yeah, it was great. I mean, I had seen shows there just as a fan, and you know, I like hanging out in that part of the world too. Such it's, cool, a cool, it's cool out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got to we got to start a tour there once, and it was a hell of a party. Are you we, doing it again? Are you going to go back to Pappy's? I hope so. I you know, so we've too. talked about it, and uh, I don't see why we wouldn't. It was kind of the perfect setting. You know, the stars were out. We played out back, and um, it was a perfect temperature. You know, it was just a beautiful night. Everybody was having a good time. I'm going to have to look up the date and see what the hell I was doing there. It has to be something really good for me not to have been there. I wonder. It was pretty early in our career. I wonder if it was maybe before you even knew who we were. Oh. I, don't know, I don't know how long you've. Before Lonesome Dream? Uh, it was probably right after that. I, I got to look it up. As the sheriff of Pioneer Town, I'll make sure that we get Ben <laughs> back there, that you're actually there. And we'll show him the, show him the mystery of Pioneer Town. Yeah. Something great. That sounds great. Yeah, it's really neat. Great. So you got a tour coming. It's not in support of an album. I mean, it is supportive of an album because, you know, um, Long Loss is still out there. But I mean, you don't have a new one coming with the, this tour. But is, it, is this tour a little bit different? You're trying to space it out? Yeah, uh, it's kind of, you know, it's what you call off cycle touring. So we're not, yeah, not specifically promoting any album, but it's kind of nice because we get to look at it more of a, as a retrospective, you know, we can kind of play some older stuff, um, give fans kind of songs from throughout our career, which is really fun for us. Um, but yeah, since there's new additions to the families in the band, uh, babies have come along in recent years, not me personally, but uh, it's kind of changing the way we tour, you know, people want to be at home more. So our our runs are a little shorter. I'm going to try it out this year, see what it's like. Take a break in between yeah. spurts and let people go home and see the fam, which is cool with me, too. You know, I don't mind coming home and seeing my cats and my wife. So could be a grind. I mean, that wears you down if you're out on the road for six months, I would imagine. It can. I mean, it's incredibly exhilarating sometimes and other times it's really hard. Have you had a like a... You know, everybody loves a redemption story. Have you had like a really hard moment on the road that just kind of crushed you, man? Something that happened that changed. Like yep. Last tour. This is an easy one. Okay. Uh, this was the first tour back from COVID. So everybody's kind of real high alert about getting sick. I got sick, not with COVID, according to nine home tests and two PCR tests. But there's something else going around at the same time that people were losing their voices and what happened. I lost my voice in the middle of a tour, not only in the middle of a tour, but 
the day we the day we were going to play Red Rocks, we do two nights at Red Rocks, which is you know, it, it's a legendary venue, one of our biggest audiences. I think there's, it fits ten thousand people or something. And not only that, but it's become kind of like a pilgrimage for the fan club and for our families all come and see those shows. You feel like you're letting people down. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Not just, yeah, not just the band, but the, you know, the fans, the, uh, the crew, just kind of everybody, you know, but, um, did you try to go on? I mean, we did, we played, we played both the shows. And you sang. I sang as best I could. And it was hard. It was very, very hard. I mean, um, just knowing I couldn't physically do what I normally do. Uh, yeah, it was, it was very, the was, show must go tough. on. The show must though, go on. Showbiz, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was all kinds of talks about, yeah, could we, could, would we cancel the shows? Could we even do that? Uh, could we, could Ben not sing as much somehow? Kind of like how, how could we do that? <laughs> you're, yeah. You're singing I mean, every song. And I sing yeah. a lot. Uh, some of those notes. Yeah. So I mean, we just barreled through honestly. And I, it became, it was really hard and really nerve wracking for me, but it was great that my family was around, you know, because they were really supportive and the guys in the band, guys and girls in the band were all really supportive. And, you know, then in the end, the fans, I think, were kind of charmed by seeing, seeing me in that vulnerable state, you know, I think they really supported me too. And so there's a lot of singing along. Um, dude that's amazing did you yeah. tell them what Come was going on, on? Yeah. yeah i did yeah. I, I was debating whether or not to do that but i just felt like i wanted them to know to know what i was what it was happening just in case they were like that sounds like shit you know <laughs> for some reason have you played there since that time you couldn't no but we're gonna play we're doing two shows first yeah June first. Yeah. I looked it up after you said, uh, <laughs> "Where's the redemption?" Yeah. But you know, it'd be funny. You go there and you'd be like, "Last time I couldn't. So I'm gonna sing, but I loved hearing you." I mean, you let you know. You no, I know. Engage them. Again, like it ended up being a really positive experience in some ways, just because made me realize how supportive everybody is, and like you know, they were still there for it, even though I couldn't quite perform the way I normally do. So. June first, George Red <laughs> yeah. Rock. We oh, I'm going to see him before then. Okay, wow. Well, he's going to be in you. Reno. Yeah, yeah. Be in Reno. Were you out having fun at some epic concert without me? I can neither confirm nor deny that I saw Lord Huron playing in Reno. Put up the list of the of the dates. It'll be out right around the time you launch that tour. And then, what about a new album? 
working on it. Uh, got about 12 songs written right now that I'm starting to record. And once we get a, a break, we'll, we'll put them down. Do you have the framework, the umbrella story, the uh, mythology around it? Not quite. It's kind of starting to take shape, but I, I'm still letting it reveal itself, I guess. So the songs come first and then you weave them together. It depends, honestly. I don't have never had like a strict process for that. It's kind of like there's definitely elements of that floating around already. I just need to choose which ones to accentuate or which ones to sort of bring to the forefront, if that makes sense. Um, it's fun to go to your your shows and see the audience. I was never quite sure when I went the first one who's going to be there. And there were a lot of people with gray hair like mine <laughs> and uh, a lot of moms and dads with little kids. Mm -hmm. We went with Matt Adams, my photographer, who taught his, brought his, I think, 11-year-old daughter who was over the moon to Super meet you fan. after the show. Super fan. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was she, nice meeting them. I remember yeah. that in Vegas. Yeah. yeah she, went, she was over the moon about that, but we really enjoyed it. Can't wait to see you on the road. Thanks for doing this. I know you don't... Always I was like really happy to do it. I, I was, yeah. was I'm time. just glad to see you guys um, be able to sit down together and talk because he, you know, he's just taught so many people about this and, you know, I really can't, struck a nerve, dude. It's, it's, it's so cool that, you, that you've done that. I mean, yeah, he's a fan. Man. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, too. So it's really cool. Long well, time, long time listener. First night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you're going to come back to Coast to Coast as well. Bring I, your band members. Uh, we would uh, love that. We, we all remember listening to Coast to Coast driving through the desert on that first tour. I remember in the Lost Dreams tour. Excellent. And uh, it's great. a great memory for I can't us. See, I, I can't wait to see what you continue deciding to share with everybody. I, I really appreciate your art. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks, guys. Cadence 13 Studios, available now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your shows.